And you know, that is so much what we're about today. Even as we open up the word for our message and go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's a, we're talking today about the Bible. And I want to somehow capture today the reality of the Bible being the word of God written through human people, flawed people. And how did God give us his word? And that is a beautiful example of how God gave us his word. In fact, if, you've, if you're familiar with the Gospel of John and even the letter of 1 John, you can feel that it is the real spirit of John that is captured in that reading. It's not fiction. It's the heart of John that we, we feel and, and experience through there. Look at the quality we have in, in our team here. I just want to say a word. Look at the, the worship time we had, the readings we had, the, the communion time we had, the um, challenges from Nancy and then from, uh, from Dick. It's, um, this is awesome. I feel like if I, if I wasn't here, nothing would stop. Because the truth is, we've just had so much rich stuff already, and now I'm supposed to get up and somehow be the icing on this cupcake. <laughs> and um, we'll see how it goes. You, you will have to be the judge. First, uh, Second Timothy, uh, chapter 3. And we do have a peanut gallery. <laughs> Oh, so um, today we want to talk about what we believe. We are talking, in fact, about our We Believe. That's our series. It's going to go on for quite a while. It's our doctrinal statement. If you don't have a copy, I'm trying not to put it in the bulletin every single week. There are copies on that little table back there by the offering box because that's what we're going through. But I want to make it clear that what we believe, well, it's on top of your outline today. What we believe... Our beliefs are key themes that emerge from the Bible, which is the word of God and our first and final authority. And it's sort of, that's the introduction to our statement of faith, and it's repeated later when we have the doctrine of the Bible. Um, We want to be very clear about something. Our beliefs are from the Bible. We don't have perfect understanding, but we work extremely hard to make sure that we are accurately representing the teachings of God's word. Not our ideas, not a denomination, not a personality, not a theology. It's not like we want to start with what we believe and try to get Bible verses to support us. Inevitably, we haven't made a perfect statement of faith. Inevitably, there are those of you that will say, there's more that needs to be there, there's less that needs to be there, this isn't worded well. It's because we're human. We're not inspired by God like the authors of Scripture. Only the Bible is inspired in that way. But we're very serious, dead serious. You know, we're, we can be very silly sometimes, can't we? But we're dead serious about interpreting the Bible properly. And when we say this is what we believe and it comes from from the Bible, we want that to be true. Notice how our belief, it says our beliefs are key themes that emerge from the Bible. 
We don't want to be reading them in. Now, one of the key concerns that people have when you say about your beliefs and we believe the Bible is they'll say, well, you know, you can make the Bible say anything you want by just picking a verse and interpreting it however you want. Well, you can do that, but not legitimately. Uh, we, are, we, we are very serious about getting the truth of the Bible. Can we get perfect understanding and complete understanding? No, but can we get true and real understanding? Yes, about what we need, and that's what our faith statement of faith is. Looking through God's word and discerning the key truths that emerge. Some people go to one extreme. They say, there's so many translations of the Bible, we shouldn't even bother. Don't believe it. it you don't, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what happened to the Bible since it was written, and all these translations, they make it mean what they want it to say. That's not true. Next week, I'll give a little more, uh, little more information on why we know that's not true. We know quite a bit. Um, someone else will say, inst instead of saying, you know, it's all a free-for-all, we, no, we don't know where the Bible came from, we don't know how it developed, we don't understand, they'll say, well, there, there's one true translation that we must use. And they make that their thing. That's not true either. The truth is, we do know the history of the Bible, how it was written enough to credibly believe that it is accurate and truly passed on to us. There may still be questions, but we have all the information we need to know that this is a unique, amazing book, and we believe it's inspired by God. You can't prove that empirically. You can't prove the Bible's inspired by God. You can prove it is an accurate record that we have, and you can prove that it is a historical document, and you can prove that it is an amazingly unique book that gives evidence of a book that comes from the very breath of God. That's what it is. So what we want to do is look today and next week a little bit at the Bible. We want to look at what makes, how we get the Bible, what is true of it. Obviously, the Bible is the key issue here when it comes to our faith. If, the, if, if our beliefs come from the Bible and the Bible isn't reliable, then our beliefs aren't reliable and true, right? So this is very, very crucial and foundational. And so many people, because they believe inaccurate things about the Bible, depart from the faith because they say, I don't know how to get true information about Christianity because the Bible's not reliable. I don't agree with that. That's not true, and I'm going to show you why. So let's look at 2 Timothy, starting in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. But as for you, Paul writing to Timothy. Continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how be from infancy here it is you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's take this bit by bit, and it won't take as long as you fear right now. <laughs> all scripture, let's talk about what that means. What's all scripture? Well, of course, what they had back then was the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures. 
And we see that the Hebrew scriptures are God-breathed. Notice that it says, first of all, Second uh, Peter tells us this. The, I have, I'm quoting New Testament passages to reflect back on that the Old Testament is inspired. Above all, and I put a whole bunch of verses on your outline so you had them, because I know when you start to turn and turn, so it's easy. So, so I, I crunched them in, and and condensed and condensed to try to have you so give you something to take home, so you would have this in front of you. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried about by the Holy Spirit. That, that's on your outline. It's the, verse, the first verse underneath all, underneath the Hebrew scriptures are God-breathed. Human beings, prophets, spoke from God as they were carried along. And the idea is carried along like a boat that's carried by the waves. So the Holy Spirit inspired them, carried them along. Likewise, we read in Acts 1.16, brothers and sisters, Peter preaching on Pentecost, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Jesus. The Holy Spirit spoke how? Through David, the person. So the Old Testament scriptures we see claim to be inspired. Secondly, we see the New Testament scriptures are God-breathed. This is powerful. In 2 Peter, we see that Paul's writings are inspired. Look with me again at the bottom of your outline. I'm going right down the outline. So if you're saying, what's he talking about? Make sure that you're reading from the outline. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul, there it is, also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Okay? God gave Paul the wisdom to write. That's inspiration. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking them of these matters. His letter contained things that are hard to understand, amen, which ignorant and under, unstable people distort. Is, is, is misinterpreting the Bible a new thing? It's always been going on, right? They distort ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures what is paul what are paul's letters called scriptures which in new testament language means what inspired bible go down to luke this is from luke this is actually from from first timothy 5:18 that's the third one down. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. This is a vital scripture, and you may say, Bob, it doesn't look very vital. It doesn't seem very interesting. What's so important about, about 1 Timothy 5.18? The apostle Paul says, scripture says, and then he quotes Deuteronomy 25.4 and Luke 10.7, he called them both scripture. Now you understand, when, the, when Paul's writing, they didn't have the Bible like we have it. They had, hadn't all been collected. It hadn't all been put together. So when he says Luke's writing is, and Luke, by the way, was his buddy, his traveling companion. Luke's gospel is scripture just like Deuteronomy, which is the Torah. This is a huge reference. Then it's Peter writing. Was Peter a, a small leader in the church? No, he was the, the apostle of Pentecost and, and one of the key figures of the early church. He says, Paul's inspired. Oh, then, and then Paul writes, I'm sorry. Paul writes and talks about how Luke 
and Deuteronomy are the same. Revelation. Look at Revelation here. On the Lord's day, this is who, who wrote Revelation? John, another apostle. So we see another apostle getting involved. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. John says, I was in the spirit and I got this writing. And then in every letter that Jesus writes to the churches of, uh, in Asia Minor in Revelation, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit, Holy Spirit, says to the churches. The book of Revelation is inspired by God, as we're seeing. You, you seeing where I'm going here? I just want to demonstrate what, what we believe about the Bible and why. This is very basic, important stuff. Now, here's the question. We saw the Old Testament and the New Testament, all scripture. Now, let's ask the question, what inspired and God-breathed means? The word God-breathed is the word theonoustos, and it means God-breathed. We use the term inspiration. I like to use the term God-breathed only because we say inspiration in common ways. You know, that song was so inspiring. Good use of the word. I use it. But that's not how the Bible's inspired. It's a different thing we're talking about. So we want to make sure of that. And, it's, and God breathed is a literal translation of the word. We say inspired. It's almost more like expired. It's probably a better translation. So I saw a Bible that translated it spired, if that's even valid. I don't know. but Explain it to you. Yeah. No, you explain it to me first. <laughs> um. God guided the writers of Scripture, giving them his words while fully utilizing the human element of the authors. He didn't just dictate it. Now, there are parts of the Bible that are, like the law. The Ten Commandments were given on, a, on stone tablets. But for the most part, God used the writers of Scripture to write his words, but he, he kept their personality. If you read the writings of John, you recognize that's for, that sounds like John because it is John. And when you, learn, when you learn Greek and read it in Greek, you're like, this is uncanny. John does the same, it writes like similar in all his writings. It's really wild. Same with Luke. When you have the Gospel of Luke and Acts, you're like, wow, it's amazing. Because he uses their personalities, he uses their circumstances, he uses their strengths, uses their gifts. Now, if you go back to the first page of 2 Peter, you see that when it says that the prophets, though human, were carried along by the Holy Spirit, divine human authorship. You see Acts 1.16, the Holy Spirit spoke through Peter. In Revelation, you see John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I got this word. But look with me at, at, at John, and this is one of the reasons why I was so excited with what Dick wrote, read to us up there, because it talks about John and his humanity. Um, divine human authorship. God inspired people to write. John says, that the, uh, the re reference from John, I'm on the second page of the outline, first, first quote of scripture, John 16. And this is Jesus talking. And he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, who's that? The Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. 
He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will tell the apostles what to t- he'll help them to remember and to communicate about Jesus. Isn't that what Dick read about John's intent in that paragraph? Like I said, that was not fictional. It was a reflection of, I believe, what really happened, the Holy Spirit. But then look at John 21, 24, where John writes in his gospel, just as he quoted Jesus on, on the Holy Spirit's role, he says, this is a disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We heard, know that his testimony is true. He does that a couple other times. John is fanatical about making sure that we know that he was an eyewitness and he saw these things, and it's true. So the Holy Spirit inspired, but the human element says, John, John says, I saw it. If you're a person who says, don't give me any of that Holy Spirit-inspired stuff, anyone can say that, right? John says, I was there. The human and the divine mixed together. Powerful. Luke. Remember the first page we saw Luke is called scripture in, in, in 1 Timothy 5.18. The apostle Paul says that Luke's gospel is, in, is scripture just like Deuteronomy. But then look at, so, so it was inspired by God, but look at the first few verses of Luke that I have written down here for you. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke says he's writing to Theophilus, who's some type of government person, right? And he says, I wanted to write you an accurate account of what Jesus did. And so I researched it. I I interviewed people, and I'm giving you an eyewitness account. But we read that Luke was scripture, inspired by God, right? By the Holy Spirit. Because that was Luke's personality, that was Luke's strength, and he did that, he did what he does for a purpose that we can put in human words, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was both human and divine. Now, why am I making so much hay out of this? A very common objection you hear to by unbelievers, and that often stumps us, stops us in our tracks, is someone says, so, Tim, you believe the Bible, right? The Bible is written by people, right? And people are fallible, right? So how can you believe the Bible? And what makes you think that the people that wrote your Bible are better than the people that wrote other holy books? And we go, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) Right? You know what we should do? We should say, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. The Bible is written by people. It's the most amazing thing. Let me tell you about it. 
The Bible wasn't only written by people. It was re- God inspired people to write. He gave them the words. He used their personalities and circumstances and languages, but he protected it from error. It's called the inspiration of Scripture. It's a miracle. It doesn't cause me to lose my confidence in the Bible. It, it increases it because it's such an awesome work of God. That's the answer. As much enthusiasm as you can get away with wherever you are, but... It's not a bummer. Yeah, the Bible was written by man. Oh, I'm a bad donkey. <laughs> it's, yes, it is. It's awesome. It's so such a power. And, and here's, we just celebrated Christmas, right? Okay. Just as the Holy Spirit came upon the womb of Mary, so he came upon the brain of a Moses, a David, an Isaiah, a Paul, a John, and the rest of the writers of the divine library. The power of the highest overshadowed them. Therefore, that holy thing which was born of their minds is called the Holy Bible, the Word of God. The writing of Luke will, of course, have the vocabulary of Luke, and the work of Paul will bear the stamp of Paul's mind. A very convoluted mind, I might add. However, this is only in the same manner that the Lord Jesus might have had eyes like his mother's or hair that was the same color and textures as hers. He did not inherit her sins because the Holy Spirit has come upon her. If we ask, how could this be? The answer is, God did it. God said so. And the writings of men of the book did not inherit the heirs of their carnal carnality uh, and did not inherit the heirs out of their personality because their writings were conceived by the Holy Spirit and, and without partaking of their fallen nature. If we ask how this could be, again, the answer is God can do it. God says so. Yeah, Jesus may have had his mother's hair color, but he didn't inherit any sin. Yes, the Bible may have Luke's eye color, but it didn't inherit Luke's sin. And John, it may have had John's nose, but it doesn't have John's sin because there's the divine Holy Spirit. All right. So we find that it's our first and final authority, 1 Timothy 4, for how to be saved for what to believe, for how to behave, and for who to become. Look at me at how to be saved. As for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. How from infancy, verse 15, you have known the holy scriptures. I'm in first, Second Timothy chapter 3 now. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 14 and 15, that is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What's the human default on salvation? What do human beings automatically, naturally believe about salvation if God does not open their eyes through the scriptures and the Holy Spirit? They believe they are saved how? Good works. Yes, acts, good works. Religious works, non-religious, whatever, but they're good works. God will weigh out my good and my bad, and whatever wins out is where I'll go. It's the, the, Martin Luther said it's the default mode of the human heart. 
the wisdom of scripture comes along and says the works of the, in the works of God no but he will be saved by the works of the flesh. There's none righteous, no, not one. The, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. He says it's through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to rescue us. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. It's when we place our faith in him, trust what Jesus did, not what we can do, that we are saved. That's the wisdom of God that comes through the scriptures. It doesn't come from anywhere else. Nobody else makes a claim like this. It's only in the Bible. And the Spirit makes it alive, and we become, so we get the wisdom for salvation. The Bible tells us how to be saved. Has authority for how to be saved. For what to believe. That's what we're doing here. Scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching and rebuking. What, we, what to believe. The word useful is what I want to capture on as we wrap our wind down and land this plane. It says useful, it's profitable, practical. The Bible is not, well, how often do we treat the Bible in a ceremonial way? It's to be read in a ceremony. Decorative. Look at the big Bible on my TV, isn't it gorgeous? It's got gold things. It was for my great-grandmother. We've been decorating our houses with this Bible for three generations. Superstitious value. I've heard somebody say, you put that Bible in the back window of your car, it'll protect you from accidents. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Emotional. By the way, we ought to get emotional hearing these truths about the word, right? But that's not all it is. Academic, I just want to know. I want knowledge. I want information. Some of you are saying you're giving us way too information. You're probably right. But that's how today is. But the Bible has, the Bible's usefulness is life transforming. It's functional. It's called a hammer. It's called honey. It's called milk. It's called seed. Last week we read about this. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible will, 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 will give you the truth. It will contradict the world's error, and it will transform you. Teaching, it's useful for teaching. Doctrine is the word. It's what we're doing. It's what we're, the teachings of the Bible, we're following them. It's for rebuking, useful to rebuke, false doctrine. Don't follow the pattern of the world, as we read last week in Romans. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then it's for how to behave, correcting and training in righteousness. Useful to correct us when we're not doing what's right. Anybody here ever do not do what's right? Oh, come on. And training in righteousness. Oh, I see someone's going, I might have done a few things once in a while. <laughs> Yeah, sort of, kind of, you know. It, it's, I heard it happens to some people. <laughs> and, and training in righteousness is the positive. And I want to just bring out that human element again. It's a literary device. It's an ABBA pattern where he starts with teaching, right? 
he goes to rebuke, that's the, do- that's the doctrinal side, and then he goes to the rebuke side of behavior, and then he goes to the teaching side. It forms ABBA pattern, it's ABBA, it's chiasmus it's called, it's a figure of speech that was used in literature to help people hear, understand, and memorize it. There's the human side again. Oh, God inspires this teaching of scripture, he uses a, a human being who writes a figure of speech to help the listeners understand. Because remember, they weren't even reading most of the time, they were just listening. So God says, the Lord is my shepherd. Is God a shepherd? He's not a shepherd. I know that's going to be a shock to many of you. I remember once someone said, is maybe God really kind of like more a shepherd than a rock? Because they said, well, God says, Bible says God is a rock. Is Is God your rock? It's metaphor for our benefit. Because the Bible's a human divine work. And for who to become? so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the goal, that, we be, that, that servants of God are fully equipped, but it comes through the word of God. So here's what I want to ask you to close. What value do you give the word? Ceremonial? Pastor read the Bible today. I've been blessed. And by the way, other sacred writings in different cultures and different worldviews, you know, the Quran, for example, it's recited over the loudspeaker, and it doesn't matter if you understand a thing, there's the value just in reciting it. Okay, we don't necessarily believe that. In fact, we don't believe that. We believe that there's value in partaking, understanding, meditating, applying. Is it decorative? This Bible's not very decorative. And I noticed Dick got up here and his Bible's duct taped together. A, a duct tape Bible is a good Bible, right? <laughs> I, look, at this, look at this Bible here. <laughs> it, this Bible's from the Civil War. <laughs> yeah, but that's how, that's fine, you know? And if you have a new Bible, that's fine too. Don't misunderstand me. There's no right or wrong. And many of you don't even have a printed Bible. That's fine. Nowadays, we use our, yeah, there you go. (laughs) So it's okay. But my point is it's not meant to be decorative. It's not meant to be superstitious. You can put the Bible in the backseat of your car and get in an accident on the way home. I hate to be negative Nelly, nattering Nabob, but. Okay, the point is the Bible is useful. It's functional. It's life transforming. So what? intentional process do you have in your life to receive God's word this year? Do you have a plan to read the Bible? Do you have Bible study you go to? Because we're meant to read it, we're meant to hear it, and we're also meant to do it in community. That's a whole other case I can make from Scripture, that there's the value of getting the Bible. We have two Sunday school classes. One is from John. You heard from, from Dick on what it's going to be like. You heard Tim Warwick on Romans. I, I, I'd put anybody in that class. That, that was, that's dynamite stuff, you know? So we've got two classes that are powerfully teaching God's Word, and we have Wednesday night where Pastor Eric is, is teaching on the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and it's amazing to go through those. I don't, I don't spend much time there, and I love, love what he's doing on Wednesday nights. So right there, we've got three Bible studies that are meant to get us deeper and a little bit more focused and personally into the Word. 
If that's something you can be a part of, I highly encourage that. Highly encourage that. Um, and what about your own Bible intake? What's, what's that Bible app that most people use now? version. Okay, would you believe I don't use it? It's not because I'm against it. I just don't use it. I <laughs> um, think it was too much for my phone. But um, there are so many resources now to get the Bible, to hear it. Some of us would rather listen. That's how they got it then, so it, that's very valid to listen to the Bible. Do you listen to Do you hear it read? Do you hear it? Do you read it? I'm not prescribing exactly how. If, if you want to, if afterwards you come up and say, I want to get it into the Bible, how can I do it? We'll talk. But I also know that most of you are, are, are way ahead of me on how to do it. It's just a question, are we doing it? That's all. If you have a question and you're looking for, for how, I'll, like I said, I'll be glad to, but um, make sure you are getting it because the Bible is the word of God. Our doctrine, our beliefs come from the Bible. It's the inspired word of God. And um, we want to encourage not just to sit and listen to messages on our beliefs, but to get into the Bible itself. That's, if, if you sat here and slept through every message I give, but we're reading the Bible, that would be success. If you sit there on the edge of your seat and, and listen to every word I say and don't read your Bibles, failure. You hear what I'm saying? Now, hopefully you'll do both. But we're about God's truth here. Amen? Let's pray. And I want to let you know that um, Eric is not here today because Brittany is very sick. So we want to pray for her. We also want to pray for Candace, uh, Matice's mom. How, is there any update, Mike? No, okay. So she's it's breathing issues. She couldn't breathe this morning. So that's why Candace stayed home. But it's always so nice to have our amen corner fully intact over here. <laughs> it's kind of like saying, you know, it's like throwing meat to a dog, saying amen when I'm up here. So. And, and Gibby's going to be Father, thank you for uh, your word. We're here because of your word. You formed this church. This church is committed to your truth. We're, we're not here because to follow some man. We're not here to follow a denomination or a movement. We are here to stand on your word and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the wisdom of salvation that comes through your scriptures and to teach how to live according to the scriptures. And we thank you that there is so much input from different people in this service about how to serve and, and from different books of the Bible, the insights. You, you are active and moving in your people through your spirit, and we give you thanks. We pray for Brittany to recover from this very um, nasty thing that's going on, this, this being sick overnight. And we pray for them as, as they have uh, the baby, uh, Bailey, and uh, we ask for wisdom for them. We ask you especially just to guide them and how to, how to protect uh, Bailey and how to best manage this. And we pray for Candace's mom also as she struggles with breathing, how, such a terrifying thing. We pray you'll wrap your arms around her and give Candace strength as she sits with her. And give us the ability to examine our hearts now and to realize where we need to be more devoted to your word. We want to be people of the scriptures, people of the book, 
that's really what matters. And we ask you to give us the courage to face ourselves, to face our real relationship with the scriptures, and to change, to be more devoted to reading, studying, hearing, memorizing, meditating on your word from this point on. Help us to measure success by how the word is lived out in teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, and being fully equipped for every good work. Amen.